Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Are you familiar with Richard Simmons? Of course you are. Richard Simmons is an institution. Richard Simmons is uh, some probably the most famous non-celebrity. And when I say non-celebrity, I mean to separate him from someone like a Jane Fonda. Non-celebrity exercise guru. You know, he Jane Fonda was already a celebrity before she started doing those exercise tapes. But for really the better part of the last, you know, 40 years or so, maybe more, he's been incredibly well known as one of these guys that is really a fitness guru. Had all these tapes that he would make, you know, sweating to the oldies, I think is the uh, the best the best known one. But there's a whole bunch and here's a guy that had a, a really energetic, larger-than-life personality, very high energy, very funny, very filled with humor, usually smiling, very emotional. Also, you know, very easy to identify because he had this big hair, these short shorts, and he was very out there, right? He, was, he would go in, on all sorts of talk shows. He would go on uh, David Letterman all the time. He would go on Howard Stern. He would go on Rosie O'Donnell. I think even Oprah. He would go on every major talk show and be famous. Well, an interesting thing happened with Richard Simmons um, a few years ago. Basically, he disappeared. He, When I say he disappeared, uh, he, starting, I think, in around 2016... Maybe even a little earlier than that. He totally now I'm looking I'm doing a little research here. 2014. He totally retreated from public life. And beginning in February of that year, 10 years ago, he stopped doing exercise videos, stopped doing talk shows, stopped doing public appearances. He just vanished. Vanished. So what happens when someone as famous as Richard Simmons just vanishes? All sorts of rumors start to spread. One of the rumors was that he was being held hostage. I'm not joking about this. This was the rumor, that he was being held hostage by his housekeeper. And so they even launched a podcast called The Missing Richard Simmons Podcast. It was I didn't listen to it, but it was very popular. And very highly rated, very highly reviewed, trying to find out what happened to Richard Simmons and investigating why Simmons left public life so suddenly. And in order to dispel that rumor about him being held hostage by his housekeeper, like a uh, January 6th defendant in the mind of Elise Stefanik, 
Richard Simmons gave an audio interview on the Today Show denying the rumors, said it simply wasn't true. And because of that podcast, which kind of brought a lot of these rumors back, in March of 2017, the LAPD visited Richard Simmons' home to conduct a welfare check. And they issued a statement that Simmons is perfectly fine and that right now he is doing what he wants to do and it's his business. So... Um, he made a very rare public comment in April of 2017 following a hospitalization for severe indigestion. And for the first time in years, he posted a video of himself on Facebook saying, I'm not missing. I'm just a little under the weather. So it's clear he was fine. He just didn't want to be bothered. Didn't want to be bothered. May of 2017, he sues the National Enquirer for libel and false claims that he was undergoing gender reassignment. Simmons lost the lawsuit, by the way, and was ordered to pay the defendant's attorney's fees. But here's why. The judge ruled, because courts have long held that a misidentification of certain immutable characteristics do not naturally tend to injure one's reputation, even if there's a sizable portion of the population who holds prejudices against those characteristics. Misidentification of a person as transgender is not actionable defamation absent special damages. So any of you out there that want to start the rumor that I am changing genders, you are free to do so. Well, I'd rather you not, but you are free to do so and not worry about me being me suing you because one I'd have to hire a lawyer, and it just seems like a lot more rigmarole than it's worth. And who knows? Might be good publicity for the show if we start that rumor. You know what? Go ahead and start that rumor. You got my blessing. Now, I, um, like a lot of people that retreat from public life, Marlon Brando comes to mind. He didn't totally retreat like Richard Simmons did, but almost. Uh, Howard Hughes. Warren Beatty, to some extent. I mean, Warren Beatty is out there, but he doesn't really make too many movies anymore. And and others. Um, Doris Day, Greta Garbo, J.D. Salinger. Interest in Richard Simmons has only skyrocketed since he stopped making these public appearances, since he vanished. Well, since he withdrew from public life. So now... Since no one's seen him in 10 years, with the exception of that one Facebook video that I just referenced, because no one's seen him in 10 years, everyone is curious about Richard Simmons. So what do you think happens? Well, stepping into the breach comes a brand new Richard Simmons biopic, a brand new film where Paulie Shore, who I actually could see as being a decent Richard Simmons, Paulie Shore comes out and plays Richard Simmons. It's called Court Jester. Here's a little bit of the trailer for this new Richard Simmons film. What's my first rule? Like yourself. Your weight doesn't matter. If you like yourself, you're going to be fine. But I've been where you are right now. And where I'm right now is I just love myself, every part of myself. And I think I can show you how to get here. Please welcome Richard <laughs> So this trailer exploded. It, it, it came out and it just went gangbusters. People were really into it. They were sharing it all over the place. And 13 hours ago, something pretty remarkable happened. 13 hours ago, Richard Simmons, who no one has seen or heard from in years, issued an incredibly rare public statement. No video, no audio, but it's on his verified Facebook page. This is what he wrote. Hi, everybody. You may have heard they may be doing a movie about me with Paulie Shore. I have never given my permission for this film. So don't believe everything you read. I no longer have a manager, and I no longer have a publicist. I just try to live a quiet life and be peaceful. Thank you for all your love and support. Richard. So this raises two questions for me that I am going to pose to you. What do you think happened to Richard Simmons? 
Why do you think someone that seemed so addicted to the limelight that probably made a lot of money from his public appearances? I mean, look, I think if Richard Simmons wanted, he could probably get, I don't know, 50, 60, $100,000 per public appearance doing corporate trainings on physical fitness, corporate speeches on physical fitness and body positivity, especially in the current climate. The guy could make millions if he came out with... um, uh, a, a new version of sweating to the oldies now that he's actually in his 70s, the very age group that he was training, showing older people how to train, I think he would do incredibly well. So let's say he's got enough money. Um, He's a guy that really seemed to enjoy being a celebrity and connecting with people and being out there. So what would cause someone without any real reason, to flick a switch, to change on a dime, and all of a sudden want to withdraw from public life? That's question one. A question. Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. They say online, and who knows, because nothing written about me online is true, they say that Richard Simmons has a net worth of $20 million, right? I mean, that's a lot of money, but it's not a crazy amount of money, especially living in Los Angeles. I mean, here's a guy that could easily have a $100 million estate in, in terms of an empire of doing appearances. The guy could be making a ton of money, but some people, you know, I'm like this. I'm not that concerned about making money, as my wife will tell you. But... The the other thing I I wonder is, is it ghoulish for the public to keep bothering this man with podcasts and films? Sure, we the public are curious about Richard Simmons and why he disappeared. But should there come a point where, as he says, we just leave him alone? He says, I just try to live a quiet life and be peaceful. At what point do we stop bothering him? I mean, clearly somebody associated with this film claimed that there was some um, sign-off from Richard Simmons that he somehow gave his permission for this likeness when it doesn't appear to be the case. Are we, you know, it's like uh, I think the character in Lord of the Flies, I think it's Piggy, says in that book, maybe the beast is us. Maybe we're the problem. Isn't it good enough that we can maybe just Leave folks alone that don't want to be bothered. And then this is the last question that I'll ask. I mentioned a few, right? I mentioned a few celebrities that were very well known and then became reclusive and basically withdrew from public life. Can you think of any that I didn't met that I didn't mention? I guess one that you could mention is Johnny Carson. Because aside from one brief appearance on uh, David Letterman's program, he didn't do anything ever again. And I'm wondering, who else is in there? Like a um, J.D. Salinger, like a Doris Day, like a Johnny Carson, like a, um, for a time, Dave Chappelle, although now he's back. And you saw how the withdrawal from public life actually helped Chappelle. He's more popular than ever, more controversial than ever, more talked about than ever. So um, Greta Garbo, Howard Hughes, Dave Chappelle, Johnny Carson, who else that really just seemed to love the public life, love the limelight, and then just kind of disappeared? 800-848-9222. I would love to hear your answers to any of those three questions. One, why do you think Richard Simmons suddenly disappeared? Two, should we just leave Richard Simmons alone? And three, can you name any other public figures that just seem to disappear? And I wonder what their reasons were. Do you just sort of get tired of it? I don't know. All right, 800 848 9222. 800 848 9222. Joel is in Manhattan. Hi, Joel. Hi. How's it going tonight, Frank? I, I got a couple things. Sure. Uh, one, along the Richard Simmons thing, consider this that he has had his life of fame, but in the back of his mind, all along, he's like, maybe not all sold into it. And so now. 
this is his way of just getting away from the limelight. He's going to do it any way that he can. He's just had enough. Um, and it, it, you know, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that the, the other thing is this, is that although it appears that he enjoys the limelight, it could also be facade. And it's a lot to keep up the facade or that persona to keep it going. So I think it's just, you know, he, he maybe he just was exhausted by it and he figured, oh, I've got enough money. I don't have to do this anymore. I just want to live a You know, that's life. very possible. And that's a good point because I'll be honest, there are times um, myself, and look, I, I'm not famous by any stretch, but there are some corners of the world that I'm well known. And when you're around people that know you or are fans of yours, or or even if they're not fans, they just know who you are, there is a pressure to act a certain way. And maybe you just kind of want to um, disappear and, and just relax for a little bit. Maybe that's some of what we're seeing here. Maybe a lot of that, you know, that energetic, um, spotlight-loving mm-hmm. Richard Simmons, maybe that was just kind of a, a persona that he was crea- crafting for the public. Maybe he really didn't like it. Yeah, and, and maybe he wants to go fishing. Who knows? Whatever. One other thing, too, about your drain mm. and the ibuprofen. Uh, the ibuprofen has a dissolving point in a temperature of 170 degrees. So you can make yourself a nice cup of tea oh. and put, pour some water down the drain. And that, that could probably help it. The other thing that would make it even pretty easy as well, if you're a little bit handy, sometimes the pea trap or... J trap, whatever you want to call it, down below the sink, that little, you know, the bump, the the, the pipe, it's got a little uh, drain that you can take off of it. You can unscrew it and then put it back on. You need to have a wrench for it or all, is all, but it's it's pretty easy to do if that's the case. Well, One yeah. or the other should... Suffice. Joel, you uh, you definitely lost me when you said, if you're a little bit handy. Uh, I opted out of okay. the conversation at that point. So I'm going to go with the hot cup of tea down the drain. That's a great suggestion. Yeah, do that. Well, make yourself a tea and then just use hot water. That's sufficient. <laughs> okay, I like it. Thanks, Joel. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Uh, David is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hey, David. Hey, Frank. Um, on this issue of Richard Simmons and also some of these other people you mentioned who became recluses, I think part of it has to do with the decline with age, um, physical appearance and stamina. Um, I think some people just are no longer comfortable being seen. I, I uh, was a big fan of Greta Garbo, and she apparently didn't feel comfortable being seen in public anymore. Uh, Joan Crawford's last years were spent as a recluse because she had been photographed and there was an unflattering photo and she said, I don't want people to see me anymore. Mm. I think Richard Simmons, because of what he did for a living, you know, like you said, he's in his 70s. I imagine he's not in the same physical shape he was in in his prime and he probably can't handle the the, uh, people looking at him anymore. I mean, as someone who's become more reclusive with age myself, uh, partially due to my disability, I can understand what, what not wanting to face the prying eyes of the public. And I'm not a celebrity. I'm just a regular person. But I don't want to deal with people the way I used to when I was younger. I find it much more comfortable just to stay in my apartment and not have to deal with anybody. You know, that, and I can see a celebrity feeling the same way. That is such a great observation. I, I'll buy that, right? I can buy that. And obviously none of us know, unless Richard Simmons happens to be listening, in which case he's welcome to call in. But the the one thing... In all the people, the public people that you mentioned, um, Greta Garbo, Richard Simmons, and um, I, I would add Johnny Carson, they also could have just, you know, they could have not been seen but still done things like audio recordings and phone calls and, you know, radio interviews, for instance. That would have been a way for them to satiate a public that clearly wanted to hear from them without needing to address any of the, uh, you know, the painful realities that their looks weren't what they were when they were 30 years old anymore. Right, but Frank, I think in the case of of all these people... They made enough money in the prime of their career that they no longer have to deal with any of that. Uh, if you spent your entire life out in, out in the media dealing with people constantly haranguing you for photographs and autographs and everything else, I, I would imagine you reach a certain point where if you can afford it, you just say the hell with it. And, well, and you go about your life and, and, and stay away from people. You know, I think it depends on the person, honestly, David. David, by the way, what's your favorite Greta Garbo film? 
Um, I, Minotska. Minotska. I never saw that one. That's uh, that's worth checking out, huh? Yeah. No, I I enjoyed it. But, I mean, it's been thirty plus years. Oh no, no, right. I mean, it, it, felt, it came I, out in the thirties. I know. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm actually one of the people that enjoys old movies like Betty Davis and those type of movies as opposed to what's out nowadays. No, same. That I can't see anything now. But, yeah, black and white movies, I think, are something that people really should get more of and appreciate because I think they're better made and there's not all this sex and violence that we've become accustomed to in our modern cinema. Uh, well, yeah, I like, thank you, I like uh, Grand Hotel as a Greta Garbo picture. That is one of my favorites. I uh, I saw that years ago. I think my mom took me to see Grand Hotel on Broadway, and uh, then I went out and saw the movie, and uh, it was great. And I think it still holds up today. And her version of uh, Anna Karenina, there's been many versions of Anna Karenina, all of them I think very good. Well, not all of them. I've seen several, not all of them. Uh, several of them I've seen that are very good. Her version I think is one of the best. Uh the Kira Knightley remake of that recently, I don't think is as good as that Greta Garbo version. 800-848-9222. I do wonder if it's a little racist of David to suggest that black and white films are superior to color films. I don't know. All right. 800-848-9222. Oh, by the way, coming up in just a minute, we're going to talk with Noam Layden, and then Brian Kilmeade is going to be here. And... um, wouldn't that be nice, though, to make enough money that you don't have to worry about things? And what I was going to say to David, and then I went off on my own tangent, is some people are not like that. You know, there's one, I only met him once, but one celebrity that is not like that at all is John Travolta. John Travolta is one of the most famous people in the world, and he is one of, uh, and he's wealthy. He, he's done very well for himself. He's probably worth a quarter of a billion dollars. And I met him once at a screening of that of Gotti that uh, John Gotti Jr. had invited me to. And then it was we, there was a little after party at a restaurant, and I ended up sitting next to John's sister Angel. And um, I passed John Travolta and his his wife, who's since passed away, Kelly Preston, on the way in. And I, I had a few words with Kelly Preston. We just chatted, but that was it. I just sat down, and Angel asked me, "Hey, did you go and did you get a picture with John Travolta and Kelly Preston?" I said, "No, I didn't want to bother them. Everyone." was lined up literally around the corner. I mean, and this is a private party, and maybe there's 100 people at the party. 70 of them, maybe more, are lined up waiting to take a picture with John Travolta. And I I kind of felt bad that he just can't relax and have something to eat. He's basically got to sit there and and take pictures with everybody. I said, no, I wasn't going to answer that. And the angel tells me, no, 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 he likes it. And I said, I don't think he likes it. And she said, I'm telling you, I talked to him about this. He likes it. When he was uh, up and coming, uh, 17, 18 years old as an actor, he ran into an actor who was very famous that he really admired. And he asked him for a picture and the actor wouldn't take it with him. And he vowed to himself and anyone else that would listen that day that if anyone ever asked him for a picture, if he ever became famous, he would never turn down a photo request. And I thought that was really something. So I run into John Travolta on the way out, and I I said, you know, Mr. Travolta, I wasn't going to ask you for a picture, but Angel says you really like it. And he said, you're right. Yeah, I mean, she's right. I do. Let's take a picture. And he was just so cool uh, with that uh, with that whole thing. Now William Shatner, different different situation. He does not really do that. You see William Shatner, um, you know, on a on, on the street. Will not sign autographs in that circumstance, doesn't take pictures. And some people say, oh, it's him being a jerk. And he says, no. He said he's kind of learned his lesson because whether he starts signing and taking photos for 20 minutes or two hours, the same thing happens. There's just a long line of people that are lined up and go away disappointed because whatever amount of time that he has is not sufficient. So he does do very structured autograph signings and photo opportunities, uh, but most of them are either for charity or he gets paid for them. But, uh, you know, so everybody's different, you know. All right, 800-848-9222. Norm Layden and Brian Kilmeade coming up. Clark is in Maryland. Hi, Clark. Hey, how you doing, uh, Frank? Uh, I was just going to weigh in on the Richard Simmons sure. thing. Sure, yeah, lay it uh, on me. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with uh, all the callers there, every comment that was made, including your own comments there. I, 
I think, you know, everybody, you know, is, is kind of different. Some people kind of thrive on that kind of uh, uh, energy, you know, where they're out there and doing their thing. But, you know, I guess there's other people that after a while they may enjoy it while they're doing it. Uh, but then they just kind of get tired of it, you know, and they kind of, as they get older, they think, uh, you know, I just kind of want to be uh, my own person and just be live a quiet, peaceful life. And and uh, and I, I think we should respect that, that, to get back to your other question as to what we think or what some of your callers think. And I, I think they should be respected. I, uh, you know, I, I think it, it should be uh, where people worry about them a little bit or maybe mm-hmm. bring them up. How, how are they doing? You know, that kind of thing. But uh, to, to slander somebody isn't, isn't cool, certainly. Uh, but somebody that I think is like that is um, um, the, the guy that was in, um, uh, I can't, geez, I can't think of his name right now, but uh, uh, Jack Nicholson. Oh, I'm Jack sorry. Nicholson. I, I, That's I, a good one. Yeah. yeah. I wonder yeah, I if he has some sort of health issue because he's someone that I, I was think, very vis- visible and he has kind of disappeared. Right. I think part of that is maybe a health issue. Uh, but I'll tell you, I want to tell you something real quick. I got to see uh, just a couple months ago, it was right around, I think, a little bit before Thanksgiving. I got to meet Barbara Eden uh, up in um, um, uh, Providence, Rhode Island. There was like a convention there. And of course, it was a structured thing where, you know, she sure. was there signing autographs. Right. And she's 92 years old now. And um uh, She's she's just like the person that she was on the show. You oh, know? that's great! Um, I love hearing that. I, I love hearing. I that. got to I got to meet her to talk to her, and she was she spent about two or three minutes with each person, you know, and I uh, got to get her autograph, and of course I bought some of her photos, and and she signed them for me, and I I even got a selfie with her, and um, it was just it was just one of my childhood dreams to meet her, and it was uh, I'm I'm 61 now, so. Uh, and she's 92. Wow, she, God she, bless she her. She looks almost the same. But, wow. Uh, hey, and, and, and anyway, enjoy your show, Frank. Hey, uh, thanks, thanks a lot. Uh, you guys take care. Have a good night. Appreciate it very much. Let me squeeze in one more here before we get to Gnome Laden. Bob in Pennsylvania. Hi. Oh, sorry, Bob. Go ahead. Uh, one actor that disappeared it was Gene Hackman. He was a really good actor. And he just decided to retire and move to New Mexico and does living a quiet life. You know, that's a good one. And I used to be, a, and I am, a big Gene Hackman fan. Uh, that's a great one. He had a lot of good years left uh, that he could have been performing and doing other things. I think, didn't he write some books, though, once he disappeared? Maybe not. Uh, I, I got to look into that. Ninety-two now. Yeah. No. 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 Now. Now he's getting up there, but I mean, he hasn't really done anything in close to twenty years. Thanks, Bob. Hey, uh, Noam Laden and Brian Kilmeade, straight ahead. The other side of midnight with Frank Morano. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.
It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Addicted to love. It is his birthday, not today, but tomorrow. However, I thought today was January 19th instead of the 18th, so I uh, tried to get Tony to play it. That was on me, but it's never a bad day to hear Addicted to Love. I'll tell you what I'm addicted to. Stand by for this. Stand by for the other side of Midnight's News. Side of Midnight and its affiliated stations present national and international news with Frank Morano and news director Noam Layden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get the rest of the story. Hello, now. Good morning, Frank. There has been a lot of talk over the last year about what professional athletes have to go through weather-wise, when they're out playing for us, for right. the spectators. So uh, go back to last summer, the U.S. Open. You may not remember this. Uh, in New York, it can be incredibly humid, late August and September. This year it was. And some of the players were complaining. They said they had never played in conditions so warm before. And they went to the USTA, the uh, Tennis Association, and they said, are you waiting for one of us to collapse and die <laughs> before you create regulations that say we can't play play in certain temperatures. You know, yes, we're professional athletes. Our bodies are trained to do incredible things, but this kind of weather could really kill one member of the, uh, of, you know, sure. somebody who's out there playing tennis. Well, fast forward to last week at Arrowhead Stadium. Maybe you watch this game. This was the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Miami Dolphins in temperatures that at the beginning of the game were minus four degrees. They decided they were going to play this game anyway. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs won easily against the Dolphins, who were a warm weather team right. that might have played into them playing. But there wasn't a ton of discussion about not playing this game. Now, when it came to the people who were on the football field, they ended up being okay because you're running around, and yes, you're getting hit when it's really cold, but you warm up right. you know, you know, whenever you're out running. But what about the fans? We are now starting to find out a lot of information we did not know in 24, 48, or even 72 hours after that game. The Arrowhead Stadium officials had told us that 12 people were treated for hypothermia, oh, right? My. That's among 71,000 people showed up. Now, when you pay for a ticket to go to a game, there's something on the back of the yeah, ticket right. that essentially right. says... You can get killed, No, you know, and, don't blame us. Right, don't yeah. blame us for anything. But is there a form of responsibility involved? We now find out that the number was actually a whole lot higher. The Kansas City Fire Department says they treated 69 people during the game for hypothermia. 12 of them were taken to the hospital. And then just yesterday, the University of Kansas Health System says, no, that number was a lot higher. But we can't, because of HIPAA rules, tell you exactly, but we can tell you that Arrowhead Stadium and the people who own the Kansas City Chiefs are not telling you all the details of what took place wow. during that game on Saturday night. Wow. At the end of the game, it was minus nine degrees. I mean, the Buffalo Bills game actually got postponed today because of the weather conditions. I don't think it was as frigid as it was as uh, in that uh, in that Chiefs game. But I wonder to what extent, I mean, maybe in Buffalo they're more used to handling that kind of thing. But I wonder what extent there were fans suffering from that kind of thing over there, too. Well, well there is a section of the stadium where there's heaters above you, if you're lucky enough um. to be in that area. Uh, but it wasn't nearly as cold. It was more a snow event, and they were worried about people getting home from gotcha. the game or to the game. Gotcha. But this one, so now there's a lot of conversation. Wait a minute. Are, have these stadiums in the past hid this information from us? And it looks like the Kansas City Chiefs were trying to do exactly that and not tell us the whole story. Uh, By the end of the today, we may know that it's hundreds of people who were treated for hypothermia who went to this game. Now, I know, again, when you buy that ticket and you go to the game, you know how cold it is. 
But should this responsibility lie at the Chiefs' uh, hands, and they should say, you know what, NFL, let's put this off a game just even for a, a day, and it'll be 30 degrees tomorrow. Yeah, I wonder also if they make any sort of accommodation in terms of warmth, like giving out hand warmers or uh, free hot chocolate to the fans. They didn't do any of that. Really? And, of course, the pressure's on. It's the you know NFL games are the most watched television events in America right now, and they'd already canceled the Buffalo game. They weren't going to cancel the night game. I'm sure there was a lot of pressure. It was a big game, maybe it was the biggest the most game of the weekend. Streamed thing in the history of the United States of America. Yeah, 23 million people Amazing. watched. Amazing. Yeah, and Absolutely. then you had to pay for it. Yeah, so no, it was, that's what I'm it saying. Was behind it's incredible. that paywall. Yeah. Uh, one more story: an Austrian heiress is um, she came into a new fortune. She's already incredibly wealthy, young woman, but her, her grandmother passed away just a couple of days ago. So now she will inherit her fortune, which is 27 million dollars. Now she already has family wealth. So she says, you know what? I don't need this money. So she's trying to figure out a way to give it away. And I think this is so interesting. So what she did is she's recruiting 50 people to come up with the best 50 ideas of how to give away this cash to people in Austria and, for that matter, around the world. She's going to pay these people handsomely out of her own money to go and do this research to fly into where she is. And then uh, she's going to give them a couple months to do so. She sent out these invitations all across Austria over the last week to uh, people who she thinks might be good, anywhere from 16 years old to 100 years old. She wants ideas from all different age groups, ethnicities. They will then gather in uh, Salzburg come uh, March, and they will all go over what they came up with, their ideas of how to give away this $27 million. She's also uh, intimated that it may not end at $27 million. She says, if there's some really good ideas here, I will give away hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, I've been following the story. The interesting thing about this to me is the how she's winnowing it down to 50 because she's sending out invitations to 10,000 people. Right. Now, that seems like an awfully cumbersome screening process to start with 10,000 would-be advisors on wealth giving away and then winnowing it down to 50. I mean, yeah, well, she obviously has some crew of people who are going to make go through all of these emails well, and God letters. bless her. Yeah. I have a few ideas. I have a few ideas, and, and one of them too. is my wallet, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Noam. Sure. And now you know the rest of the story. All right. Still smarting from uh, the fact that my wife uh, made an accurate prediction in the Houston versus Cleveland game over the weekend is a New York Times bestselling author, co-host of Fox and Friends, nationally syndicated radio talk show host, the uh, the host of One Nation with Brian Kilmeade on Saturday nights, the aforementioned Brian Kilmeade. Hey there, Brian. What's going on, Frank? Uh, quite a bit. Uh, quite a bit. Um, that, you know, I'm afraid to ask, but because there's a lot of political stuff that I want to get your take on. But uh, four interesting games this weekend. Who, who do you like in these games, just so I know to bet the opposite? You know what? If you're going to have that attitude, maybe <laughs> I'll just call into another show. All right? Maybe. I mean, uh, I think Tampa Bay's run is done, but the Philadelphia collapse is something epic. Uh, I mean, I statistically, it goes back to the 1986 Jets, but can you believe? You watch the Giants take them apart in the final week of the season. I thought, you know, what's going on? And they kind of quit after the first quarter. They really didn't need the game, but they tried to beat the Giants. They tried to get themselves on track, and the Giants just crushed them. And I thought, okay, they got a week to get it together. But now, I mean, they, they went from likely to win the Super Bowl to the best team in football at 10-1, and one, to maybe they should fire their coach. I mean, I've never seen a collapse like this, except for Dallas. It, Dallas, it, on the other hand, that was another thing. I mean, who predicted that incredible. game? Incredible. Absolutely incredible. It's what, hey, but, um, but the Packers, I think, stop now, too. San Francisco is going to beat him. Uh, speaking of predictions, I, I mean, the polling in Iowa seemed to be pretty right on, showing uh, Trump winning in a landslide. Uh, Nikki Haley, who you did a great interview with uh, this week, which I want to ask you about, uh, a lot of people are saying she's coming within striking distance of Trump. Maybe she could even pull out a win. If not a win, maybe she comes in a, uh, a strong second. How do you see New Hampshire going, and what do you see that doing to the uh, dynamics of the race? You know, uh, it's interesting. It looks like uh, Ron DeSantis is moving most of his staff to, to South Carolina. And evidently, his super PAC is cutting back spending and letting some people go. Uh, he's going to be in single digits. But he says, after Nikki Haley gets crushed in New Hampshire, it'll be, be me and Trump. And then I, I, he wants that matchup. Okay. 
So for Nikki Haley, uh, you know, you saw that the American Research Group say that she was in a dead heat at forty forty, but Suff- the Suffolk poll, which had her within uh, single digits, I think six or seven points, now has a huge spread between them. I think about seventeen eighteen. So Trump is going to look to lock it up. He's he's going back and forth between coming to New York City and went to New Hampshire. He's got a uh, he's got a big event today. He's got one on Sunday. He's got uh, one, a couple on Monday, uh, and I'm not sure he might be pulling out on Tuesday. But it's very interesting. I don't think Nikki Haley loses anything with the controversial things she said about race and racism uh, in New Hampshire. But the question is, does it does does Trump stronger than anybody knows? Right. Well, that is the, that is the big question. Hey, you mentioned that Nikki Haley comment. If people aren't familiar with that, uh, she said this in a discussion with you uh, talking about America's history. You asked, uh, in words or substance, if the Republican Party was a racist party. She no, not- well, just, just to frame it up correctly, yeah. I was coming off some idiotic statement uh, that an MSNBC anchor said, Joy Reid. She said, well, you know, Donald Trump won, but keep in mind. Nikki Haley's a brown woman, so Republicans don't really like that, <laughs> which is Understood. the most asinine segment you could ever say. Understood. So I just said, I, I was hoping that, you know, she would want that question, but uh, this, here's how she answered. This is what Nikki Haley said. No, we're, we're not a racist country, Brian. We've never been a racist country. Now, you know, this was a little bit of a weird response, especially given the uh, the guff that she got for not mentioning slavery during the Civil War. A lot of folks would say at the time that we had slavery or Jim Crow or a host of other issues where different races were treated differently, that we were a racist country. What did you make of her response there, Brian? Is this just a gaffe or what, what is this? Well... I would say this in the break. I always talk, try to talk to people in the break, and um, so I just started talking to her. She just landed, and every time I asked her a question, she would ask me to repeat it. And she was having problems, and I'm not making excuses. I'm just giving. No one's even asked me this, so I'm just telling you, she was not hearing me. And then so we go to Dago Brown. We'll shut it down. We got to work on the audio. Next thing you know, I'm reading the introduction. They go, "We got it." I go, "Great, we let's go." So I open up with Joy Reid. I, I know that would be good audio, and I open up and say, hey, how you doing? Uh, I know you're in New Hampshire, hour sleep, got it. I go, listen to this. And I just think that she was in almost a, okay, they're, they're calling America racist, let me push back on that. Instead of, well, they're saying I lost because I'm Indian. Mm. And she would have been the best answer ever. Is like, yeah, no, Donald Trump beat me in Iowa, but I'm going to change the, I'm going to change this race here in New Hampshire. But it had nothing to do with my gender and nothing to do with my uh, heritage. Because you know, if you read her book, you know that she did not have an easy time in South Carolina growing up. You know, kids can be cruel, but things have worked out for her. Obviously, America has grown, uh, especially in the South. But if you actually want to talk about a racist party, I mean, Democrats condemning Republicans, I have a real, you know, are are really going uh, on a blind spot in history. You know, um, some people are criticizing, talking about the issue of race, uh, Donald Trump for his recent Truth Social posts and and elsewhere for using her actual first name rather than Nikki Haley, which is her middle name and the, the name that she's been using uh, since she was a child. Her her actual first name is Nimarada, which is how Trump has been uh, referring to her. A lot of people are saying this is sort of his way of trying to stoke racial tension. What do you make of that? Well, I just know that the only other person to say that was Vivek Ramaswamy, and they hooked up yesterday for the first time, and that Nimrata was used for the first time on Truth Social. I don't know if he was behind that, but I think it's totally unnecessary. Uh, I don't, I don't, you know, if like Bobby Jindal, that that's not his birth name. He was named after his parents looked up and they loved the Brady Bunch, and they literally named him after Bobby Brady. So are you going to go? For, I don't know what his normal uh, his, his his birth name is. Uh, he was the former governor of Louisiana. I don't know why it's important. And she says, I'm Nikki Haley. The view tried to take her on a year ago mm-hmm. and said, why don't you use your real name? She goes, that is my real name. So now she's got to go back and correct the record. I, I, I would hope that no one says, wait a second, her name's not Nikki. I'm not going to vote for her. I just think it's unnecessary.
Yeah, I mean, uh, I know um, Ted Cruz's real name is Raphael, or his real first name is Raphael Edward Cruz. Is that true? Yeah. I didn't know oh, that. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. But you didn't hear a lot of folks, you know, Trump or others uh, during the campaign calling him Raphael. And I just I just wonder, you know, where, you know, so it sounds like you think maybe maybe there is something to that. Not necessarily the racial component, but not a big need to do that. I don't think so. I mean, I'm not I'm not big into bird brain. I'm not big into the sanctimonious. I don't need it. I don't you know, uh, it's not wrestling. But that's what Trump does. I, I don't think we should be surprised. I'm not mad. I don't think it, it, it changes the face of America. But I, I personally, uh, I, it's not going to I don't think it'll change one vote. I and mean, I think you should be, give people of, of New Hampshire credit, uh, more credit than that to think, wait a second. Honey, if she's Indian, why would I go to the polls? I mean, really? I mean, I think that's pretty much settled law. Uh, you had another great interview with uh, Joe Manchin. A lot of people are, are talking about Joe Manchin as being the No Labels Party candidate for president. No Labels said they're going to make a big announcement today about what they're doing. They didn't say necessarily they're going to name a candidate or what the story was. They just said they're making a big announcement. Here's a little bit of your uh, trying to get an answer from Joe Manchin about whether he's going to run and if he's going to be a spoiler. Here's the thing, you know, uh, the base of the party has taken the extremes clear to the extremes. And you have people on both sides, on the Republican side, you know, you have some really center right good people who I work with every day and center left people that we work with every day trying to make basically good decisions for our country that are going to be great for our families right. and secure, okay, secure us. The bottom line, they're afraid to jump out there and do this or that. There's no base and they're going to get beat up or they get primaried and this and that. I'm not running again because you cannot fix Washington inside of Washington. The business model, the Democrat and Republican Party uh, is doing just well, Brian. They're doing extremely well financially. And you're not going to change that business model. So we need to go out and we're talking to people. My daughter Heather and I are working together. She has a, a new uh, 501c4, Americans Together, which is explaining to people how they can be more involved, have primaries or more opened up on majority votes, uh, trying to change the gerrymandering way it's done and all these uh, districts are already cooked before you even run. You tried to ask him two more times after that if he was going to run. I still don't know what his answer is. What did you come away with thinking? I think he's running, and you know I don't know the the I don't know the infrastructure of no labels, but they're already on fourteen ballots, and it's not going to be that hard to get to what he needs is thirty four, and he really I mean he's seventy four, but he looks maybe uh, sixty two, maybe it just over. I mean he is he this guy is I I just met him in person. Uh, obviously I was at a Jaguars game, and that's why I ran into him. We talked for about an hour. My gut feeling, then we, I ran to Michael Waltz and to be able to sit there, the three of us, and, and listen to, number one, how they're coming up with legislation to not shut down the government, and they're trying to come up with something on the border, and just I just sat back and listened to them going back and forth, but my sense is, just as me, he's in, hmm. and, it, and, and he wants Mitt. He wants Mitt Romney to run with him, and Mitt goes, no, I'm not popular, you don't want me, he's like, no, no, we have to do this, we have to run. Uh, I don't personally, I don't think he's thrilled with running with Huntsman. I don't know about Hogan. I don't think they really know each other. So I'm I'm curious to see who he's going to run with. And if he could get up enough votes, I don't know if, you, if you're too young. I think, Frank, I remember uh, Ross Perot being on stage and changing the total dynamic between Clinton and Bush. So I was doing sports at the time, but I was still entranced by the whole race. Imagine Manchin on the stage between Trump and Biden. I mean, it, it would change the whole dynamic. It would be fascinating. And, one, and especially yeah. Kennedy is polling at 15%, and he's able to get in those debates as well. Right, but this guy's still struggling. Kennedy's only got on one ballot. Right. Utah. Utah. Hey, the, the, the few but the proud in Utah. Brian, it is always a, a, a treat to talk with you, or should I call you by your real first name, Sebastian? <laughs> I would say that that is not true. That is, uh, that is fake news. This is my real name. I'm uh, half Irish, half Italian, and I'm I be and I'm going to run on both those heritages. There you, there and you go. when I'm in Little Italy, I'll be all Italian, <laughs> uh, and that'll be it. And by the way, special thanks to all our listeners. 
Uh, Booker T. Washington was uh, was on the bestseller list up until Christmas, dropped, and over the last two weeks just uh, blitzed back on the bestseller list. Well, that's so terrific. People want to hear that story, Teddy and Booker T. If people want to check out the book, then go to briankillme.com, Teddy and Booker T., uh, how two American icons blazed the path for racial equality. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. And uh, believe it or not, there's actually an enormous amount of parallels to what we're going through now as a country. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. All right, go get him, Frank. 800-848-9222. 15 seconds of fame straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. The Other Side at Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Al! I'm in Atlantic City. Robert! Yeah. Arthur uh, Schwarzenegger should have had the watch on his wrist. Ray! Hey, uh, everybody's not Mick Jagger. I think Richard Simmons uh, just uh, had his moment in the limelight. He had a he had a good run. Morocco. Excellent book, Brian. Great book. I enjoyed it immensely. He's cloistering himself. He wanted to be a priest at one time. Now he's reflective at this age, and that's your mystery solved, Frank. Mike. Morning, Frank. <clears throat> Excuse me. Cat fights at the Moranos. Prissy started it, and Ed's going to finish it. Perhaps you should send Prissy packing and keep Ed. It seems Ed is suited for family use. Keep Ed. Who will know? And we won't tell. And finally, Greg. Is uh, glad we got that guy in there. All right. That slams the lid on things for today. Uh, back tomorrow, possibly with Tony Orlando. Uh, we are going to have Bill Burns. Maybe a little Ask Frank anything, and certainly commendations. A lot to get to. How will we do it in four hours? Only one way to find out. Frank Morano, good day.